Welcome to the Field of Church podcast. Our church inhales and exhales the gospel every Sunday and is excited to bring our messages to you here. Thank you for joining us and we hope God moves in your life as you listen into this feed. I hope you were encouraged by that reminder that our God is a miracle worker. And you're going to hear more about that in a moment. Uh, in case you don't know me, my name is Ender Palencia, and I, I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Fielder Church. And, and I want to tell you about a time when God confirmed a call that he had already placed in my life just a couple of years before that. This happened about a decade ago or so, and he called me to pursue full-time ministry and to actually go to seminary so that I could prepare for ministry. And as when he called me to do that, my wife and I packed everything that we had in a little U-Haul truck and we moved to a different state so that I could uh, pursue that degree and prepare for the ministry that God had for me. Now, I know that when I say that, it probably sounds like I'm some kind of super spiritual Christian who hears the voice of God, and not only that, but always obeys the voice of God. And as much as I would like for that to be the case, that is not necessarily always the case. And it wasn't actually the case in that particular occasion. That, that was a really hard decision that my wife and I had to make. So uh, when that happened, when God called me to seminary, we were in a really good spot. I remember I had just graduated from college and I was working for a good friend of mine who had mentioned a couple of times the possibility of me managing his business after his retirement. So I, I was in a good job and I had a future in that little company. Uh, on top of that, I was using my gifts and my talents because I was serving as an associate pastor at Hispanic church in our area, and it was an amazing church. I mean, the church was very influential. It was growing and growing. We were planting different churches in our community. So it was a beautiful ministry, and I was uh, a part of that. My wife had a really good job at the time where she also had the opportunity to share the gospel with people. And on top of that, we had friends and family close by. We had a great community around us. So, so we were in a really good spot. We were comfortable. We, we felt great where we were. And in the middle of that is when that call to seminary came. And I remember I began to wrestle with that and pray through it. And I, I tried to find ways to be able to obey God, but without changing much of my life, right? So maybe go to seminary online or maybe go to a seminary where I could commute and go back and forth so that my life wouldn't have to change much. And as I was wrestling through that, the Lord made it clear that that's not what he had for me. That he wanted me actually to drop everything, leave all of that comfort and everything that I knew behind and move to Fort Worth, Texas, 16 hours away from where we were and where we didn't know absolutely anyone so that I could pursue a degree in divinity in seminary. Man, that was not, again, an easy decision. And uh, I began to pray about it, talk to my wife about it. And I, I remember uh, there was a moment when I actually said to God, uh, this is what I said to him. I said, God, absolutely, we'll obey you. Uh, uh, just show me where I'm going to work and how much I'm going to make. Uh, show me where my wife is going to work and how much she's going to make. Show me how we're going to be able to pay for tuition and room and board. And show me what church we're going to be a part of and, and how we're going to be involved in that church. And as soon as you show me all those things, we'll obey you. We'll go wherever you tell us to go. So I, I basically wanted to say yes to God, but I wanted things to work out the way I wanted them to work out. I, I, I said that I wanted to obey God, but I still wanted to be in control. Now, I hope you're not judging me right now because let's be honest for a moment. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who struggles with this. 
I'd venture to say that the vast majority of us would say that we want to obey God, but at the same time, we, we want to see how things are going to work out before we obey Him. I'd venture to say that the vast majority of, of us would say that we want to experience the miracles and the things that God wants us to experience, but at the same time, we would want the future to work out in our favor, and not just in our favor, the way we want it to work out uh, for us. I'd venture to say that we would say that we want to obey God, but we still want to be in control of our future. And if I may, I want to share something with you that I learned uh, through that journey in my life. I, I learned that that's not called living by faith. It's called living by sight. And I've also learned that it is only those who live by faith, those who are willing to put and keep their yes on the table, even if the future is uncertain, the ones that experience the extraordinary and the miracles and the power of God in amazing ways. I learned that through uh, my experience, but also through the word of God. Because I, I see in scripture character after character, people who were called by God to take risk, and it's only those who are willing to say yes, even if the future is uncertain, the ones that see the power of God in amazing ways. So I learned that if I wanted to experience the power of God in amazing ways and see the miracles that he can do, I had to be willing to say yes, even if the future was uncertain. And I believe that's exactly what God wants us to hear this morning. One of those characters in the Bible that lived that way was Mary. So today we're going to continue this sermon series called Christmas Through Her Eyes. And we're looking at the birth of Jesus through Mary's perspective. And today we're going to see that she experienced the extraordinary. She experienced the power of God in amazing ways and she was blessed by it. But in order for her to do that, she had to be willing to put her yes on the table and keep it there even when the future was uncertain. I want to invite you to open your Bibles in Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start reading in verse 34. Before I read it, let me just tell you quickly where we've been so far. We saw that the angel appeared to Mary and he told her that God had chosen her to this special task to bring forth the Savior of the world, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, the Savior. And we saw that God invade her little ordinary world and show her that he could do the extraordinary. But in order for that to happen, she had to be willing to, to put him at the center of her life and not just on the side. We also learned that uh, the future, uh, when the future is certain for us, we, we have hope and we have joy. But we know that that certain comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ and the eternal life that we have in him. But the reality is that we're still on this earth. And while we're on this earth, there are moments where the future seems uncertain. And even times when God calls us to things that seem uncertain. But today, we're going to see that when we keep our yes on the table, when we put and keep our yes on the table, even in those uncertain times, we're able to experience the extraordinary power of God. And we're blessed in the process. Look at uh, verses 34 through 37 with me. It says this, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. 
So uh, this, uh, uh, where we start right here is Mary's response to the angel when the angel told her that she was going to bring forth the Savior of the world. So her response is actually a question. As soon as the angel is done speaking and telling her what God had chosen her to do, she answers back with a question and she goes, how is this possible if I'm a virgin? So you see that in her humanity, she is trying to process everything. She's trying to understand how God is going to do this. She's trying to understand how how this could be possible. And her question is, how is this going to happen if I'm a virgin? And literally in the Greek, she actually says something like, if I know no man, which was the expression that they used at the time to refer to the fact that she had not been intimate with any man up to that point. And uh, so this shows us that uh, even though Mary was young and even though Mary was uneducated, uh, that doesn't mean that she was ignorant. Uh, this shows us that at some point in her life, someone had given her the talk about the birds and the bees, right? Uh, she knew exactly where babies come from. And she knew that, humanly speaking, it was impossible for her to be pregnant, to have a baby, because she had not been with a man up to that point. And this reveals to us that, that uh, as she's trying to process everything, as she's trying to step into what God had called her to step into, she sees and she realizes that in her humanity, it, it was impossible for her to, to do what God had called her to do. If he, if he was going to do what God had called her to do, then God had to intervene. God had to do something miraculous. God had to do something beyond herself and show his amazing power. And that's why she asked, how, how is this going to be possible? I can't do this. I, I haven't been with a man. That's what she's saying. And the angel answers her question but I want you to see that the, the, the response from the angel is not all that clear. Right? So in verse 35, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's what the angel said. And honestly, what does that even mean? Can you imagine this 12, 13, 14-year-old girl trying to process everything that's going on in her life in that particular moment? I mean, she's having a conversation with an angel, and it's not like she talked to angels all the time. This was a, a, a very rare occasion. And not just talking to an angel, but the angel is telling her that she's going to be pregnant, and not just be pregnant, but actually be, uh, bring forth the, the Messiah, Yeshua, the Savior of the world. And when she asks, how is this going to happen? His response is, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Surely she's going, what, is, what does that even mean? She's trying to process all of this. I mean, it's been 2,000 years since this moment, and we don't fully know exactly how that conception took place. We know it was a miracle, but we don't know exactly how it happened. Can you imagine her trying to process this? Like I said, it's been 2,000 years, and all we know now, what theologians know, is that that phrase that the angel used when he said that the Spirit will come upon you, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, is a phrase that is very similar to a phrase that Jesus himself used later on in Acts 1.8. After he had already died on a cross and resurrected from the dead and been around for 40 days, he was ascending into heaven, and he said to the disciples, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and until the end of the year. And, and you're probably going, okay, and, there, and what does that have to do with anything? How, how does that relate? Well, I, I think it tells us a lot. Because when you read through what happened in Acts, you read that the disciples, in their own strength, they couldn't be the witnesses that Jesus told them to be. 
they, they actually, as soon as Jesus said that, they, were, they went to hide in an upper room somewhere because they were terrified of telling people about Jesus because they were afraid they were going to die. But then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit of God actually comes in a miraculous way, in a way that no one expected, in a way that no one had seen before. And that's when they were able to step into what God had called them to do. It starts with Peter preaching this amazing message, message and 3,000 people believed the gospel because the Holy Spirit had come upon him. It was a miracle. They couldn't do it themselves. They had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them so that what they were called to do would happen. And I believe the same was true for Mary. When the angel said that phrase that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, he was saying to her, you just wait. You just got to wait for God to do what only God can do. It will be a miracle. You can't do anything. All you can do is wait for him to show up so that you can be pregnant. And he actually tells us why it had to be that way. In, in the middle of uh, 35, he actually says this, Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Every time you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to ask, why is it therefore, therefore? And, and the therefore here is connecting what the angel said earlier with what he said after the therefore. And what he's saying is that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit would come upon Mary and the power of the Most High will overshadow her. Therefore, so that basically the baby that would be gone would be no ordinary baby. It would be an extraordinary baby. It was not going to be a normal baby because he was not conceived in a normal way. He would be the son of God is what he said. In other words, he has to be human so that he could be the savior of humanity. That's why you have to sit here and wait for the Holy Spirit, Mary. But also, he's going to be 100% God. So you can't do anything. All you can do is wait for God to do the impossible, for him to do miracles so that you can be pregnant. And that way, he will be the son of God. And this is huge. But this is also all that Mary had. When, when the angel responded to her question, that's all he said. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will, will overshadow you. And, and so go for it. That, that's what he's telling her. And, and the only thing that he did for her is he, he kind of gave her a little glimpse of hope so that maybe she would have the faith to step into what God had called her to do. He said, you have to know that there's nothing impossible uh, for God. He said, with God, there's nothing impossible. In fact, he says, you should go check this out. Uh, your relative, Elizabeth, who everybody thought she couldn't have children, she's actually six months pregnant now. You, you should go check it out. And, and that's it. That's all she had. Mary didn't have all her ducks in a row before she stepped into this decision. When she asked the question, that's all she was given. She didn't have a, a whole lot of certainty about the future. She didn't have a, a whole lot of clarity about how things were going to work out for her like we would like to have. And yet that, that's what she, the decision that she had to make. It, it was a huge decision that she had in front of her. And I think it's important that we notice this. Because many times when God calls us to do something, we, we want to have as much clarity as we possibly can before we obey. We want to have our dogs in a row. We, we want to know how things are going to work out. And we actually want things to work out the way we want them to work out. And that's exactly what I did when God called me to seminary. But listen, God showed me that if I was going to go, it was going to go because I was trusting him instead of me. That I had to make a decision. If I was going to live by faith or live by sight. But he also showed me that if I wanted to experience the extraordinary, if I wanted to experience his miracles and his power, then I had to be willing to say yes, even if the future wasn't all that clear. I had to live by faith. And that's what's going on in Mary's life. 
And if there's anything that we should admire from Mary is the way she responded to her call. I want you to see what she said in verse 38. It's amazing. Look at what she said. It says this. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, as soon as she replied, the angel left. There is no more clarity. That's all she had. But her response is worthy of our admiration. She said, let it be with me whatever the Lord wants. I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. Man, she said yes. Put her yes on the table, even though her future was uncertain. And, and I say that we should admire her answer, not just because her future was uncertain. Actually, there's more. She's risking a lot. This is what you have to understand. By saying yes, it's not that she's stepping into an uncertain future. Actually, if she looked at it from a human perspective, if she lived by sight, she was actually stepping into a really rugged future. She was stepping into, into a future that, that, that no one would want. It was a risky situation for her. Let me just give you a little bit of perspective just to show you what she was stepping into. By saying yes to God, to the call that she was, he was placing in her life, she was risking being rejected by the people she loved the most. I mean, think about Joseph for a moment. Think about how he would have reacted to the fact that she was pregnant. I mean, the Bible teaches us that as soon as he found out she was pregnant, he wanted to break up the engagement. And most likely because he thought that she, she had been unfaithful to him. Now, can you blame the guy? Can, can you imagine for a moment, here's Joseph you know, trying to be faithful to God and resist temptation and the desires of his flesh and trying to stay away from Mary and waiting for the, the wedding night and all of this and trying to be faithful to God. And all of a sudden she comes and says, baby, I want you to know I'm pregnant. How do you think he's going to react? He was going to flip. And after saying a few words that I can't say here, he probably going, what, what, why? Why are you doing this? And then Mary tries to calm him down, and she goes, oh, no, you don't have to worry. I wasn't unfaithful to you. The Holy Spirit came upon me. How do you think he was going to take that? That's why he tried to break up the engagement. That didn't make sense. I want to remind you that this had never happened up to this point and has never happened since and will never happen again. This is a one-time event. And this is what that Mary is up against. She had to tell her fiancé, whom she loved, that she is pregnant by God. Can, can you imagine? She was risking being rejected by the man that she loved. But not just him, her parents. Think about her parents for a moment. Think about her mom and dad would have reacted to this. Think about her going and saying, Mom, Dad, I want you to know I'm pregnant. And then daddy goes all crazy and he goes after Joseph immediately. And she goes, no, 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 you don't have to kill Joseph. It's not Joseph's baby. So whose is it? Well, it's God's baby. See, the power of the most high overshadowed me. How do you think mom and dad were going to take that? This was not an easy thing. She was risking being rejected by her mom and dad, by Joseph, by the people she loved the most. And I want you to know that for a 12, 13, 14-year-old girl who was pregnant at the time, being rejected by these people, that was a huge ordeal. Because you have to know that women in that time, they couldn't work for themselves. They couldn't provide for themselves. They couldn't work. They couldn't own property. None, none of this. And, and now uh, she needed a man in her life. She needed either a husband or a father who, who would provide for her. And if both, the, both of them would reject her, then she would be out on the streets begging for money, and pregnant with a baby. Can you imagine? She's risking a lot. But not just that. She's also risking 
her own reputation and being rejected by society. So if, if this would have been hard for the people she loved to accept, it was going to be even harder for society to accept. You, you have to know that this didn't make sense, humanly speaking, right? And, and Nazareth was a very small town. 300 to 500 people is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So can, can you imagine? Can you imagine what people were going to say about her? Every, every time she walked out to the, to, the, to the well to get water, people were just going to gossip. And you know, those small towns, uh, uh, gossip just goes everywhere fast. It's kind of like Facebook, right? Everybody's just talking and, and gossip is going everywhere. That, that's what's going on in a small town. Everybody would have been talking about Mary. She would have been rejected. People would have, she would have been ashamed. People would have just, she would have been the talk of the time, the, of the town. So, so it was not going to be a good situation for her. In fact, there are some theologians who believe that she was actually risking her life. Because in that time and in that culture, a woman who was caught in adultery, she could be sentenced to death, stoned to death. That's why they believe Joseph wanted to break up the engagement secretly, is what the Bible teaches. Because he didn't want to shame her. He didn't want her to suffer the severe consequences of that shame. So she was risking a lot. It was not just that her future was uncertain. God called her to step into not just an uncertain future, but she had to risk a lot. She was putting a lot at risk. And yet, even though it was a huge risk, she was still willing to put her yes on the table and say, God, whatever you need from me, I'm going to do it. Man, that's huge. And and that should be our response. Because here is what I want you to know. Even when God calls us to do something, even if it's risky, it's because he wants to bless us in the process. I guarantee you, he will make it worth it. He made it worth it for Mary. And Mary was blessed in the process. I mean, almost immediately, she began to see blessing. I want you to see in verses 39 through 45. Listen to what it says. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So, so it says that Mary actually went to check out what the angel had said about Elizabeth. And, and she went to see this relative of her who was pregnant. I don't know, maybe to talk pregnant lady stuff or to see if the angel was saying the truth. I don't know. The truth is that she went to Elizabeth's house. Now, something interesting took place when she walked into that house. It says that as soon as she walked into the house, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. Now, I need to give you a little bit of context so that you understand how big and how important this is. Earlier in the chapter, Luke told us that uh, angel Gabriel had also appeared to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, and had told him that even though his wife was barren, she was going to conceive a son, and his name would be John, later known as John the Baptist. And that John's, that baby's mission was to, to announce the coming of the Messiah, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And now, after Mary 
uh, had this encounter with the angel, and six months into uh, Elizabeth being pregnant, Elizabeth, uh, I mean, and Mary have an encounter, and as soon as Mary stepped into the house, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. And what I believe is taking place is that a baby is already doing his job. He's announcing the coming of the Messiah. He's announcing that someone really special had entered the room. And, and I don't think it's Mary necessarily. I think it's, he knew that uh, Mary had already uh, 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 conceived. She's, there was a, a baby already in her womb. And, and I know that because of what happens after the baby lived in Elizabeth's womb. It says that Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. It, no one had told her at this point, at least that we know of, that Mary is pregnant. And yet, this is what she says, filled with the Holy Spirit. She's saying, there is a baby in your womb and you are blessed because of that. And not just that, but she says, how is this that the mother of my Lord would come to visit me? And Lord with a capital L. She's recognizing that that baby in Mary's womb is not just an ordinary baby, it's an extraordinary baby. It's a special baby. It is the Lord himself. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth says this to Mary. And the focus is in the baby in Mary's womb and not in Mary herself. But listen, in the sidelines, can you imagine the blessing that she felt in that moment? How blessed she was when she didn't have to say anything. All of a sudden, the Spirit revealed to this woman that, she, that Mary is pregnant, not just pregnant, but pregnant with the Lord himself. Can you imagine how blessed she was by that? She, she was blessed by this. That's why she busted out in what we know as the Magnificat that Pastor Jason talked about last week. This song or this poem that just, she's just praising God because she's realizing, oh my goodness, this is true. That, that I'm going to deliver the Savior of the world. She, she's realizing that she was blessed by this. And that was just the beginning of the blessings that she experienced. Because think about the day Jesus was born. Mary is over here in a manger somewhere trying to deliver this baby in Bethlehem. And Joseph is trying to help her out. And when they're in this barn trying to have this baby, there are shepherds out in the field. And as soon as the baby is born, it says that uh, the Bible teaches us that angels appear to the shepherds and say, Hey, glory to God in the highest. The Messiah, the Savior of the world is born. You should go check it out. And, and these shepherds run and they finally find Miss Mary and Joseph and the baby. And as soon as they find it, they tell them what the angel had told them about this baby. And can you imagine Mary hearing these shepherds that came out of nowhere and saying, hey, we just saw angels and they, they told us that your baby is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Can you imagine how blessed she was by that? She didn't have to prove anything. God is just taking care of, the, of that for her. Can you imagine how blessed she was? It says in Luke 2.18 that when the angels were speaking these things, she treasured those things in her heart. She was blessed by this. Imagine how blessed she was when she took little eight-year-old Jesus to the temple. And, and here come Mary and Joseph, this young couple uh, with an eight-year-old baby. And they're trying to figure out life. They're trying to figure out how this is going to work out. And they enter this temple with two little doves because that's all they can offer as a sacrifice. And all of a sudden, this priest named Simeon uh, comes to them and grabs that baby and begins praising God. And he says, oh my goodness, praise God. My eyes have finally seen the Messiah. Can, can, can you imagine how Mary felt in that moment, how blessed she was by that? It says in 2.33 that she marveled at what was being said about her son. 
I mean, I get excited and proud papa moments when my son is able to make it through a prayer before a meal without picking his food. Can, can, can you imagine how blessed she was by the fact that people are holding her baby and saying, this is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. She was blessed by this. Imagine how blessed she was when 12-year-old Jesus stayed back in the temple and, 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 and he's asking questions that has all the teachers and all the rabbis just kind of in awe. They're all going, oh my goodness, who is this kid asking all this question? It says in 2.48 that she actually was astonished by what she heard when they told her that Jesus was doing this. I mean, obviously, she was blessed in this whole thing. Every time some of these miracles happen, some of these amazing things happen, she knew that she had made the right decision. And as risky as that was, she knew it was worth it. Imagine what she felt when even before Jesus started his ministry, they, they went to a wedding in a city named Cana. And in that wedding, they ran out of wine and their family is about to be ashamed and they're about to experience this big, big shame because they ran out of wine. And, and she looks at Jesus and she says, can you do something about this? And Jesus said, okay. And she told the servants, fill those jars with water. And then he turned that water into the most delicious wine that no one had ever tasted at party. Can, can you imagine how blessed she was by that when she saw him do that first public miracle? Can you imagine how she was blessed by this? She was blessed in the process. She knew she had made the right decision. Imagine how she felt when she would see a, a blind man running and saying, I can see, I can see because Jesus healed me. Can you imagine how blessed? Of course she was blessed by this. Imagine how she felt when she saw her son tell a paralytic man, get up and walk. And that man would get up, pick up his bed and start walking. Can you imagine the blessing, the joy that filled her heart? She was blessed. She saw miracle after miracle. She saw her son do miracle after miracle, do the impossible. And she knew that she had made the right decision. She was blessed. But the reason she was blessed is not because she had superpowers. It's not because she was super special. It was, it was because she was an ordinary woman who believed that God could do miracles, who believed that what was said about this baby was true. And therefore, she was willing to put her yes on the table. This is exactly what Elizabeth said in verse 45. Look at what he says. It says this. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who what? Who believed. The reason why she was blessed is because she believed. She believed that what the angels said, uh, uh, even way before it happened, was true. That when the angel said that that baby would be Yeshua, the Savior, then it would be true. That when the angel said that even though it seemed impossible, she was going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, it would happen. She believed that God, what God said about this baby was absolutely true. That's why she was blessed. And surely she was blessed. She experienced amazing miracles. But the reason why she experienced those miracles is because she was willing to put her yes on the table, even though her future was uncertain. And listen, she didn't just put her yes on the table. She kept her yes on the table, even in the most uncertain times. Because I want you to know, bringing that baby into the world was probably not the hardest thing that she faced. Can you imagine also for a moment what she felt when she heard that her son, her precious son, had been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? Can you imagine what she must have felt when she saw that he was put on trial unfairly and he was sentenced in, 
to death like a criminal. Can you imagine what she must have felt? The pain and the sorrow and the fear and the doubt that she must have felt when she saw her precious son be brutally killed by Roman soldiers. Can you imagine what she felt when these Roman soldiers would spit on him and, and, and whip him and hit him? Can you imagine how she felt when she saw her perfect son be treated like a criminal? Because listen, if anyone knew that her son was perfect, it was her. She had raised him. She had other kids after him, and she probably could see the imperfection in other kids, but, but he was never imperfect. He was always perfect. Can you imagine what she felt when he was treated like a criminal, even though he was perfect? Can you imagine what she felt knowing that her son had the power to stop that at any moment. But even though he had the power to stop that at any moment, he kept his own yes on the table and he went through with it until he died. Can you imagine what she felt when she saw him die on that cross? But also, can you imagine what she felt when the earth began to shake and the stone was rolled away? Can you imagine what she felt when Jesus rose from the dead? Can you imagine what she felt when she saw her resurrected son, when she saw him be alive, even though she saw him die on that cross? Can you imagine the joy and the blessing that she felt when everything finally made sense? After 33 years of her wondering, how is my son going to be the savior of the world? She saw him die on a cross so that he would defeat sin, and then she saw him resurrect from the dead so that he would defeat death and then finally going that's how he's going to be the savior of the world can you imagine the blessing and the joy that she experienced when what the angel said 33 years earlier finally made sense she was blessed but in order for her to experience that blessing she had to take a huge risk early in her life she had to be willing to put her yes on the table and she had to be willing to keep that yes on the table even if her future seemed uncertain Listen, I guarantee you, she will look back at those 33 years and tell you it was totally, totally worth it. Because listen, when God calls us into the unknown, it's because he wants to bless us. It's, it's because he wants us to experience his supernatural power. It's because he wants us to experience his miracles. But in order for us to experience his supernatural power, we have to live by faith and not by sight. We have to be willing to put and keep our yes on the table, even if the future seems uncertain. I remember when God confirmed that call to seminary in our lives. After God made it clear that he wanted us to move away from everything that we knew and everyone that we know, we did it. By God's grace, we were obedient to God. It wasn't easy, but we did it. And I wish I could tell you, and it was absolutely easy all the time. But it wasn't. It was not easy. I remember when we finally made it to Fort Worth, we... It took us about three months for my wife to find a job. It took me about four and a half months to find a part-time position in a small church as a, as a youth pastor. And can you imagine the, the stress that, that brought? Because we had a little bit of savings and we came trusting God. And, and, and the first month went by and we had to pay rent and we had to pay tuition and we had to buy books and all these things and no jobs, no income coming in. And then the second month and the third month, trust me, there were moments in those times when we wanted to just go back to where we came from, where we had jobs and we knew people and, and, and we had a future. We, there were times when we wanted to take our guests off the table. And I want you to know, even after we found jobs, seminary is hard. Seminary is difficult. It was hard for us emotionally speaking, financially speaking, academically speaking, it, 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 spiritually speaking. It was challenging. 
the Lord was working in us. I remember reading books after books after books. It was crazy. I'm writing papers, and I'm doing this in English, my second language. I'm, I was learning stinking Greek and Hebrew in English, my second language. There, trust me, there were many times where I just wanted to give up and just go back. It was hard. It was difficult. It was very, very hard. And not just academically speaking, it was hard emotionally. During that time, the Lord was also doing a work in my heart and a work in my wife's heart. And I can see now that he was preparing us for what we are today so that we could be the parents that we are today and, the, and, and do the ministry that he's called us today. But back then, I couldn't see it. All I could see is that we were just butting heads all the time. It was difficult. There were many times we just wanted to give up and say, forget it. Let's go back. We have family there. At least we can talk to people about what's going on. We wanted to give up many times. It was really hard. It was hard financially. There were times we had car troubles. And I remember one time we had to move out of campus because they were going to tore down the, the, the apartments, which were the cheapest apartments because they were the oldest and they were going to tear them down because they were so old and so crappy. And we had to move out and we had to find a new place to live. And we were stressed. And I remember there was a, a season, a moment where I still had, I, I did a, Master of Divinity, which is like 96 credit hours. It took forever. And, and I still had like a year and a half or so to go. And it felt like it was so far away. And I just, I wanted to give up. I wanted to just find a full-time job and fly for my wife. And by God's grace, God uh, uh, gave me the strength to, to continue. And he used my wife to encourage me to continue. And we continue. And I remember as we started that last year, all of a sudden, when I least expected it, I got a phone call from some dude, some guy named Jason Paredes. And he said, hey, hey man, my name is Jason and I'm one of the pastors. He wasn't the lead pastor at the time. He, I'm one of the pastors that filled our church in Arlington. And, and we want to start a ministry. We want to reach uh, uh, diversity in our city. And we want to uh, reach Spanish-speaking people in our city. And, and, and we've heard about you and we want to get to know you. And just to make the long story short, about four months after that, I was able to start my ministry here at Filder. I cannot tell you how incredibly amazing this time has been. It has been some of the more rewarding years of my life. Not always easy, but incredibly amazing. In my own life, and in the life of other people, I've seen the power of God do the impossible. I have seen the miracles of God. I've seen God provide in miraculous ways so that we could adopt our daughter. And then I saw God bring, give us two other children biologically. I, I saw this family step up and support us when my daughter went through a cancer. I've experienced the love of God and the miracles of God firsthand. But not just in my life. I've seen it in the life of many people. Throughout the years, I've been able to baptize over 150 people. And some of those stories are incredibly amazing. People that others would think there's no way that God can save that person. And God did. God saved them and God transformed them. And it's been amazing to see. I've seen God restore marriages. I've seen God bring babies to families where uh, people and doctors have said there's no way you guys can have babies. I've seen God do amazing miracles. I've seen God bring people from death to life, spiritually speaking. It's been a beautiful, incredible journey and now I look back and I think about all the things that I had to leave behind and yes it was hard it was difficult but man I can tell you it was totally totally worth it the blessings that I have experienced made it worth it and I want you to know that 
God sometimes calls us into the unknown. He calls us to take steps of faith that seem risky and they scare us to death. But I guarantee you he'll make it worth it. You will be blessed in the process. But the only way you'll be able to experience those blessings, the only way you experience the extraordinary, the only way you'll be able to see the miracles of God is if you're willing to believe what Mary believed. If you're willing to believe that that baby is no ordinary baby. That that baby is the son of God who later grew up and lived a perfect life and died on a cross and then offered uh, that life as a sacrifice for you and for me. And then he resurrected from the dead so that we could have eternal life. If you're willing to believe that that baby, if, if that baby is all you have, then that baby is all you need. And there are some of you who need to believe that for the very first time. There are some of you who've been hearing the gospel over and over again. And you've been saying, well, God, when you show me this and when you do this and when you prove to me this, then I'll believe. And God is saying to you, that is not living by faith. Living by faith means you put your yes on the table even if it seems uncertain. And that's when you experience the extraordinary. It has to start by you placing your faith in him, even if you don't have all your answers, all your, all your questions answered. And there are some of you who need to do that today. That God has been moving in your heart and today he's telling you, would you trust me? Would you trust that what I did for you on that cross is enough for you? And if that's you, I want to invite you to respond. To respond now. To tell somebody that you want to place your faith in Christ. And we want to partner with you in this. So if that's you, would you, would you just pick up your phone right now? And text the word next step to 94253. Or go to our website, filter.org slash next step. And whatever way you choose, just click on that form that shows up there. Fill it out. It's a a short form. Just mark that option that says you want to place your faith in Christ so that one of our pastors can reach out to you and help you in this journey of faith. You have to be willing to believe that he is enough for you. I know the majority of you are believers of the gospel already. You probably place your faith in Christ. And I know that when we believe the gospel, there's many times when God calls us into the unknown. When he calls us to take a step of faith into things that seem uncertain. And I know that as human beings, we fear those moments. Because we want to know what's next. We want to be in control. Can I tell you? If God is inviting you into the unknown, it's because he's inviting you to experience the extraordinary, to experience his miracles, to experience his power in amazing ways. But you have to be willing to put your yes on the table. You have to be willing to believe what Mary believed, that what was said about that baby was absolutely true, that he would be the son of God. And if that baby is all you have, if all you have is that he was willing to die on a cross and pay for your sins, give up his body, spill his blood so that you could be forgiven, then you have everything that you need. So if you're a believer of the gospel, I want to invite you to respond today. But before you respond, I want to invite you to hear this song that we're going to sing next. It's a beautiful song. It's actually going to be a new song for you guys because it's a song that's translated from Spanish to English. We often do the opposite, but this time we felt like this song was a good song for this moment. It reminds us that that baby is no ordinary baby. He's the son of God who lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and then resurrected so that we could have life. He gave his body, spilled his blood, so that we could have forgiveness. After we sing this song, Pastor Jason is going to come back, lead us through the door, and then 
That's when I would encourage you to respond to what God is inviting you to do. Let's sing this song now.